Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm really grateful to Dr. Nick Ziegler for joining us today for uh, another conversation about distance learning. It's been a, a little over a year since the two of us got a chance to visit on the podcast, at least about this work, though. Our ESUs statewide have our DL coordinators who have been working in this space throughout the year and for decades, really, at this point. And we're taking the opportunity today to provide everyone with a little bit of an update on some of the things since last year uh, that have come up with distance learning. And in the midst of talking about that, we'll also showcase Dr. Ziegler's program at ESU5 and get the opportunity to learn a little bit more, not only about what that looks like, uh, but some of the, I would say, success that they're having in terms of being able to meet the needs that are out there, not only in their region, but across the state, and to make sure that our Nebraska students are having the opportunity to acquire these languages and, and gain a certain level of performance and proficiency that we're going to get into on today's pod as well. But uh, first things first, Nick, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, as am I. And uh, Nick's a world language coordinator there at ESU5. And do you want to give just kind of a brief history of your backstory leading up to the time that you've spent in this role? Sure. My background is in teaching languages. I'm certified to teach Spanish, German, and English. How about that? My first job here in the state of Nebraska was teaching via distance learning at a small ESU in Beatrice, Nebraska, actually where I am now. I started at ESU5 as a world language teacher teaching to Ansley and Arcadia, Nebraska in the ESU10 area. Uh, so over the past five years or so, I've become the coordinator of our program and expanded from, at that time, one Spanish teacher to now we have seven Spanish teachers. We've built up our curriculum. We've built up wonderful partnerships with school districts across the state. This year, we serve 15 schools across the state with uh, about 550 students in our program. Uh, it's always great to connect with you around this work because not only in addition to being a data steward and blended learning guru and wearing all the different hats you wear at ESU5, uh, when you get a chance to really talk about what's going on with your world language program there, uh, it is impressive. And so uh, before we really start to dive into more detail about those seven teachers and kind of the history of the program, uh, what's maybe for folks that aren't as familiar with distance learning? And I know that maybe uh, individuals in our ESU network are, uh, but we have a lot of new administrators uh, or folks outside of the state that might think of the term distance learning and uh, recall something like remote learning uh, from during sure. some of that pandemic era um, and the synchronous asynchronous piece. So if you could uh, set us up for what delivery and modality we're talking about here. Outstanding. And, and so rule 10 from the Department of Education defines distance learning as either asynchronous learning where students are working inside of a learning management system that might be through some of your credit recovery programs like an apex learning or some other program. But it's primarily students working independently without a direct touch from a teacher. Now, on the other hand, is synchronous distance learning, which is what we do here. Uh, and so picture it in your mind. Uh, you've got a classroom full of 15 or 20 kiddos in your school district. There's 15 or 20 students seated there. Uh, they're looking at the front of the room, and there's their teacher 
standing right at the front of the room, interacting directly with the students. It's a live connection, but it's facilitated through the window of the TV screen that's right in the front of the room. There are two screens that the students see in front of them. One is for the students to see the teacher, and the second screen is to see any content that's being shared that is intended to be projected on the wall for, for use in the class today. So it's one teacher, one classroom. It really looks and feels like the teachers standing there in the room both for the kiddos as well as for the teachers engaging in some of those behavior management practices. It, it feels a lot like that TV is just the window through which we interact with our kids. Well, and what I love is I had the opportunity to go out and observe in a classroom uh, one of the courses that your program has sent. And while I was there, it was fun for me to see students. Uh, there's a group of high school boys in particular that I'm thinking of with this example, who ahead of the class period starting, walked to the front of the room and sat there and held informal conversation through the screen uh, with their teacher, who again, was not in the space, but was someone that they had developed a relationship with through that kind of video conferencing in a way that they felt comfortable and, and even drawn to have that type of dialogue ahead of class starting. It just felt like you would feel if you were in a regular classroom. And I think, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about some of the data around perceptions and some of the data around student performance, but the same thing is true in a classroom. It's those relationships that we establish with our students that really drive the education that's happening in our classroom. One major benefit of engaging in my program is that my staff do, that we're Nebraska educators, and we get out to our school districts on a quarterly basis, uh, physically drive out there, spend a night in the community and, and a day at the school district on a quarterly basis to help establish those relationships, both with the students and with the staff in those school districts, so that we are part of their communities. Yeah, and I know there are those that I've heard, and I think that there's some validity to it that would say, uh, I'd rather have a teacher in person than deliver through video conferencing. Uh, and I know in our dialogue, I think that it's safe to say that if you have the choice of having that person in person or via video conferencing, the same educator uh, in person would be desirable. But where there is not the opportunity, uh, and in addition to that, when you have an incredibly effective educator through video conferencing, those are both wins for students, especially if they might not otherwise have the chance to even have that learning experience. Well, I, I think it's a good reality check to share that 27% of school districts in our state of Nebraska do not have a world language teacher on staff. 27%. And of those school districts, we're talking mainly about our very rural school districts who aren't really even looking for a full-time world language teacher. They're only looking for a couple periods of Spanish or maybe three periods of Spanish. And so they're only really needing a part-time educator. And that's a pretty hard ask for our limited number of student teachers entering the profession it's a pretty hard ask to get out then into a rural community for a part-time position. 
Yeah, and in the midst of a teacher shortage that I know in some of the conversations I've been a part of recently, that is maybe set to go for five to 10 years more, and that we'll just say for the foreseeable future, uh, this as an avenue to ensure that learners have equitable learning opportunities, regardless of where you live, uh, is really important and a big why behind this effort across Nebraska, and it has been historically, right, for, for decades now. And one of the great things that I would sort of add to that that is new learning since the last time we had the chance to visit is that the, during the last legislative session, we were grateful to see that we will continue to have distance education funding in the form of our distance education unit credits uh, that the schools receive, which tend to hover somewhere up to, but uh, not in excess of $1,000 for, for ascending or receiving course. And there's a lot of details that goes into that. But for the next five years, that funding is going to be there to hopefully uh, help meet some of the needs in this space. As we mentioned, during a teacher shortage, there's a lot of, there's 76 districts right now that are participating in this as recently as this last school year. And that's roughly a third of them, right? I mean, 76 school districts is roughly a third of our school districts across the state who are participating in these DEU programs uh, that offer a synchronous distance learning experience for students. Among the classes currently being offered, uh, roughly two-thirds of them are world language classes. There are classes in other content areas as well, a good third of those, uh, but the primary need that is being expressed and, and delivered through distance learning is Spanish classes, uh, world language broadly, but Spanish specifically. And thinking as recently as this last school year, uh, I know that there uh, is a count that, that the Department of Education, and I want to definitely give it out to Chris Strubing, who does a lot of great work there as our partner in making sure these DEU credits get recognized. Uh, but give or take, about how many courses, and when I say that, I'm talking about maybe a semester-long class, right? What we think of as maybe a credit. Approximately how many world language courses were there in Nebraska, Center DL, uh, last school year? Excellent question. Looking at our data from last year, there were roughly 350 courses offered via distance learning, and of those, a good 215 or so were world language classes. Um, so I guess, yeah, maybe let's kind of use that as a place to pivot a little bit to talk more specifically about the program at ESU5. And so just there, shared seven educators, serving 15 uh, districts across the state. So again, not just specific to ESU 5 region. But uh, yeah, tell me more about the program and, and kind of how this all works. Excellent. Inside of our program, we take continuous improvement seriously. Just like any other school district across the state, ESU 5 has to go through an accreditation process. And, and what that means is we ask our stakeholders what they think on a pretty regular basis. And I can share with confidence, uh, looking at the results from this year, from this semester, I can state that our students, our 500 plus students in our program this year, feel like they can learn in our classes. They feel like they enjoy the classes that they're taking, that they want to learn Spanish in our context. And I think it's really important to point out, they value learning the language. Without 
access to a distance learning, a synchronous distance learning experience where the teacher is live connected in that world language classroom, our students would have less than ideal access. And when I say that our students think it's important, I'm saying on a four point scale, whereby four is I completely agree, it's super important to me to learn this language. Our students are saying 3.27, that they feel that learning the language is important to their futures. So that's perceptual data. How do you feel about it? Our students are saying it's going well, that learning in this context, the distance learning context, can work and does work and is important to them. Taking it a step further, on an annual basis, we offer out uh, two different awards to our students. One is grades-based. It's the Academic Excellence Award. And so we give that out to students who earn 95% or better across the first three quarters. I can share with you that this last year, about half of our students in Spanish 1, 2, and our dual credit classes, about half of them earned the Academic Excellence Award. So, I mean, what that really says is that kids are getting the work done in classroom at a high level of completion, getting answers right on tests, for example. Well, does that really mean that they're learning the language? Well, we also engage in, it's called the Apple test of proficiency. This is an external test, not specific to our program, but it measures how well students speak the language. Our proficiency goals are pretty high. In a Spanish 2 class, it's our goal to reach the novice high level of proficiency. And without diving real deep into what does that mean, that is on par with an, a Lincoln Public Schools and Omaha Public Schools with other districts across the state that have high expectations for students in relation to proficiency, how well they speak the language. I'm super excited to share 98% of our students in Spanish 2 and above earned that academic award. The one with regards to proficiency. Yes, with regards to proficiency. And I love that you were so considerate to go through each of those because I think that that is incredibly important. First of all, 98%. That's, that's great. huge. That's huge. <laughs> that's some great work to you and, and your program uh, for them to be able to bring students to a place where they can feel confident in the language, which is not exclusively the point of world languages, but obviously very, very important because you're going to want to be able to utilize that in a space where you're able to then like communicate and interact with others. And uh, I think something I would add to that in addition to just to run through these again, proficiency, but also academic, as you said, like testing scenarios, uh, in addition to their perceptual data in, in how much they enjoy it. Let's not forget too that so often these are the courses that are going to be required for them to go on and pursue the future career at the college or university because they need to have these experiences under their belt in order to go into those programs. And so mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly serving a multitude of purposes is what I'm hearing from our conversation here today. And I don't want to pivot too quickly to it, but I, as you talked about novice high uh, there and sure. not to get into it. In, in too much detail, I do know that as a state, there's been a, a very concerted effort to focus in on those different levels and be very clear about those. Uh, and I know there's been some OER work around that as well. So I might point you to that conversation as it seems to be uh, something that fits here in the midst of talking about proficiency. 
Real briefly, all I'd say to that is that it's excellent work. And so uh, Crystal Liu at the Department of Education has led a couple different groups now over the past two summers through the process of developing some self-assessments for students that allow them to go through and say, how confident am I that I can do these different things aligned to both our Nebraska state standards for world language education and also the levels of proficiency. So, I mean, what's expected out of a novice or beginning level student is obviously different from what we would expect out of an advanced uh, level of proficiency. And is that something that spans, uh, it's not specific just to the Spanish language? That's correct. It is agnostic to languages. And so those self-assessment documents are uh, valuable to you. And let's be real, one of our standards in, in the world language education in the state of Nebraska is cognition. So how can we engage students in some of those self-assessments, some of those goal settings and reflections around language learning? Well, take advantage of the resources that have been created and shared in our OER Commons. Use those as uh, unit level or course level cognition activities. Wow. And you, I know, were a part of some of the work around fostering with those, correct? I feel like on a previous podcast, we've like talked about what went into the collaborative effort of creating those standards uh, and making cognition one of the values within that, uh, it, right? Yeah, that's true. Yep. Uh, working with Crystal Liu and some of her, a couple of her predecessors around the standards, but Crystal has been the one really leading the work, uh, getting some of that content into our Nebraska open educational resources. Yeah. And if people were looking to access that resource, where would you point them to if they wanted to get yeah, a closer look at some of those documents and maybe utilize them in their in-person context, right? So, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily just be DL. I'd recommend that every world language educator in the state of Nebraska go to oercommons.org and search for uh, Nebraska World Language Self-Assessment. Uh, and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. So for folks that are looking for maybe just a point and click opportunity to access that. And, you know, in the midst of this too, I do want to recognize you have expertise also with regards to just ed tech broadly. And as someone who's overseen a program that has seven people who are practicing in this space on a regular basis and uh, in a post pandemic, I mean, if we want to call it that, I feel pretty comfortable saying that at this point, at least world where ed tech has evolved so much since that time. How are these learning experiences maybe a little bit different from what people might think of if they were to have maybe taken an experience like this 10 years ago, or maybe to have been invested in this work in the early 2000s? Sure. I guess a couple of things come to mind. One is advances in artificial intelligence and, and just advances in the technology more broadly. I mean, we have great apps like a Duolingo or uh, others that, that purport to be able to take you from a zero level of proficiency into a novice or even an intermediate level. But the real point that I come back with is that we know in accordance with the art and science of education that having a real teacher, having a person connected to you is important. It's, it's important to get the kinds of real feedback that you need in order to progress in your language learning journey. Our program is different in so much as we're connected via the computer, so it's not an in-person teacher, right? But it's the best thing, it's the, it's the best alternative. Oh, I love to, and again, from my experience being there in person, 
and getting a chance to watch this from that classroom standpoint, students were on teams, students were collaborating, students were holding live conversations with their peers. And really that that student-centered learning experience uh, was prevalent uh, in the lessons that I got the opportunity to watch. Uh, and I do think that that is a, is a game changer. And it, that is within itself a set of skills that you would love to see be a part of any learning uh, opportunity that we're growing in those pieces, because that is communication also. And, and alternatively, in your asynchronous coursework, it is just generally speaking, students working pretty independently through the content. We know in world language education that there needs to be a combination of comprehensible input where an educator knows a level of proficiency for kiddos and is able to provide input in the form of maybe some speech or maybe some written text that pushes them just a little bit beyond. I mean, think Vygotsky and, and, and that idea of zones of proximal development. In our world language classes, we know that there needs to be both input, but also forced output. You've got to go through all three modes of communication within any given unit. There's also that interpersonal piece where you've got to get kids talking together that requires more than really what we can do with artificial intelligence or with other apps and developments in relation to technology. I mean, what's the purpose? Our goal is to help kids not only use the language, which, you know, we can use Google Chat, but more than that, you've got to be able to interact with another individual from a different way of life in a way that is culturally sensitive, that is productive, where you can come to shared understanding without some of the nonsense period, right, is, is the point, is that we want to be able to come together and establish meaning, understand each other. That's what the world needs. I love that we're having this conversation because we get a chance to layer so many things, right? We're talking about world languages and some of the supports, like you said, the documents and the OER, et cetera. We are talking about DL, both specific to your program and also just broadly those opportunities that are out there and then having the chance to just really even talk about what is good teaching practice and some ed tech in the midst of it all and the blending of where those come together. So I would say maybe at this point, what am I not asking about your program that you feel like would be really great for us to highlight as we will kind of move to a call to action hereafter, but for right now, yeah, kind of a last point of note with regards to the ESU5 World Language Program. So ESU5's World Language Program really exists to meet the needs of our rural school districts across the state. Uh, we're up to seven wonderful world language educators. We have offices in Beatrice and in Omaha from which they're sending those classes. We get out to school districts on a quarterly basis. I mean, I guess, what are we missing? Um, sometimes it's hard to quantify how much you care. And so we care a lot. We, we really do seek to be the best alternative to having a wonderful educator in-house. Uh, we are wonderful educators via distance learning. Oh, I love that. And I know too that it has to be great for the craft and maybe the art and science, as you were talking about, of teaching to be able to practice in that space on a regular basis, as your educators do, uh, to collaborate with peers who are also doing that uh, so that you can grow in your collective efforts with like professional learning that happens sometimes in those informal moments uh, in between classes or over a lunch break. And 
so I know that your program, yeah, is full of great people doing great work and certainly is with the support of your leadership uh, and your vision for having scaled this up. And I, I'd be remiss too, I, I get to work with our DL coordinator statewide. And we have these conversations all the time where we say, well, do we have to see this astronomical number where DL starts to take over education and, you know, 200 classes is better than 100 classes, but 300 is better than 200. And that's, uh, but instead, I love how you phrased it there and that we want to be able to meet whatever needs exist and to meet those exceptionally well. And I, I hear that ringing true in everything you're talking uh, to about the services that you all are providing uh, statewide. And so, all right. I guess that leads us to the point where we say call to action. So if people would like to connect with your program, how do they do that? Look me up on ESU5's website, esu5.org, and there you'll see our world language program. You can find us on Teach in Nebraska. We'll be looking to add a couple more teachers potentially this coming academic year in accordance with the expressed need across the state. I'd also say to administrators, we have a pretty well-established method for delivering. I mean, there's the opportunity to take this into other content areas as well. And look to your ESUs, look to your educational service units. If you have needs, if you have holes in your course offerings, make them known so that, that our ESUs collectively can try to pool our resources and meet those needs. Absolutely. I'm glad that you went there also, because sometimes it's tough to understand what uh, options are available, which is why our DL coordinators, there's one at every ESU. Uh, and so those folks can reach out across the state and say, hey, we need a social studies course here. Or, hey, we need an English course here at uh, this time of day and in this scenario. And uh, can you help us out with that? And collectively, we're just better together when we're able to use those relationships to make sure that, again, we can ensure that all learners have access to a myriad of different learning experiences and the things that they need to uh, be successful in their K-12 education and beyond. So, Nick, thank you so much for taking a little time to chat today. Uh, this is always so great to connect around this work. I know you're so passionate about what you do and you're, you're amazing at it. So thank you for all of that and for sharing on the podcast. You are welcome. 